Welcome to the Rockcast. My name is Monty Colvin, but you can refer to me as Mr. Magnet or Monty Covid. I identify as an entitled teenager who expects you to pay for my college education, and my pronouns are dude and ugh. What? I know the second one's a little hard to pronounce, but sorry, you'll just have to deal with it. You think you are? At any rate, welcome to episode 250. I started doing this podcast about 14 years ago in 2008, and you would think I would have a lot more episodes by now, but no, just 250. But I think I've come a long way since episode number one. I mean, you won't believe this, but on some of those earlier shows, I used to use sound bites to distract people from how bad I was. Oh, really? Yeah, I was really terrible. And he still sucks! In fact, you can't find the first, like, 50 to 100 episodes because I'm so embarrassed by them. Or at least I hope you can't find them. Who wants to hear that? The truth is, for the first few years, I didn't know what I was doing, so I just tried a lot of different things. Some of them worked, some of them didn't. For a while, I was reading your top tens, and that led to the top ten playoffs. I also had a contest where I played songs that you guys had written. I did little comedy skits, I reviewed concerts and albums, And I even had my daughter Zoe review CDs, even though she was only nine years old. And here we are, 250 episodes later, and some of you are still listening. I have no idea why, but I really appreciate it. I may still not know what I'm doing, but until I stop having fun doing it, I'm going to continue doing it. So let's do it. Can somebody please get me off this ride? Now, something I've been doing since the very beginning is a segment called What's on TV. It's where I tell you what I've been watching, and I'm going to continue doing that right now. And the first thing I'm going to tell you about is the NHL playoffs. Yeah, I know there's a lot of you out there that don't care anything about hockey or sports for that matter. But just bear with me, because I actually understand. If you don't live near a city that has an NHL team or you've never been to a game, you might not be that interested. But if you do or you have, you'll understand how much fun it is. And if you're like me, you find yourself getting addicted. And last year when I moved to Colorado, they have the Avalanche and I just became a huge fan. Alex and I went to about four games in Denver and I watched the rest of their games either on TV or on my computer. And there was even some nights when I was watching on my phone. And so when the playoffs started, I did not miss a single second of a single playoff game that they had. And most of their games were very close and uh, I was nervous and Alex and I would sit there and scream and yell and high five. These people are friggin' nuts! 
Well, it got down to Game 6 of the Stanley Cup Finals, and the Avs only needed one more win against Tampa Bay. But the game was in Tampa Bay, and uh, I could have just stayed home and watched it on my TV. Well, my friend Matt Dunlap messaged me and said that him and his wife were going to go to the watch party in Denver at Ball Arena, you know, where they have their games usually. And he asked if Alex and I would like to go, that he'd get us tickets. And I said, well, Alex has to work, but I'll see if she doesn't mind if I go. And so I did talk to her and she said, yeah, go ahead and go, you should. And so for the first time in my life, I drove for over an hour and paid $20 to watch a game on TV. That's stupid. But I'll tell you what, it was a blast. We had seats right down there on the ice. They had the game up on the Jumbotron, and that arena was sold out. I mean, I think Ball Arena holds about 18, 19,000 people, and every seat was full. And the Avs ended up winning, and the whole place just went berserk. And I literally had tears in my eyes when they were lifting the cup up. And if you're not a sports fan, I know that sounds weird. But when you root for a team and you watch all of their games, you start to feel like you know them. And you spend money on tickets and uh, their merchandise, and you just feel like you've got something invested in them. This guy needs help. And so that was incredible, and I thoroughly enjoyed watching it. But now I'll tell you about something that wasn't incredible, and that was the NBA playoffs. Hey, come on! Yeah, I tried to watch some of the finals, but man, was it difficult. I ended up rooting for the Boston Celtics because I just can't stand the arrogance of the Golden State Warriors anymore. And I get that Steph Curry's an incredible shooter and a great player. But if he was in the NHL and pulled some of that crap that he does on the NBA court, he'd have to keep that mouth guard that he chews on for the entire game inside of his mouth. Because if you try showing up a hockey team and their fans, they'll take a stick and knock a couple of your teeth out. Yeah! So I did not enjoy watching the Golden State Warriors win the NBA championship. However, in a weird way, I did enjoy watching the movie, The Warriors. Huh? Believe it or not, I had never seen this movie. I've heard people talk about it for years, but I'd never actually seen it. And you know what I'm talking about. It came out in 1979, and it was this flick about uh, these gangs in New York. And I did not know this, but apparently if you were in a gang in the 70s and you were about to go out and kick another gang's ass, you not only needed stuff like, you know, baseball bats, switchblades, maybe some chains, but you also needed matching outfits. Oh! And I don't know if one of the guys in the gang had a mom who sewed and uh, she made the clothes. I don't know. But according to this movie, there were hundreds of gangs back then, and they all had matching costumes. And for the Warriors, they apparently got together and decided they were going to have brown vests with the name on the back, and uh, shirts could be optional. And I found that very stylish, so I just decided to watch this entire movie. And I gotta tell you, I found the dialogue and the acting to be just absolutely atrocious. And overall, I thought it was so bad that uh, I actually kind of liked it. 
Especially at the end when that kind of retarded guy was sitting in the car clinking those bottles together and he was going, Warriors, come out and play! Oh, well, I thought it was not only awesome, it was hilarious. So if you have not seen The Warriors and you want a good laugh, check it out. Can you dig it? Seriously. Can you dig it? <laughs> Now, there were a couple of things that I watched that were music-related that I thought you might be interested in. And first of all, there's a bunch of new concerts on YouTube. And they're from festivals that took place this year. And a lot of them that I've been watching recently are from Hellfest. It's a giant festival in Europe. And I love these things because unlike a lot of concerts that you see on YouTube, they're not videoed by some guy with a cell phone. These are multi-camera and they usually sound really good, like uh, off the board mix. And since these metal festivals take place in Europe, you're not only going to get to see some bigger names like Megadeth and Michael Schenker, but there's also a lot of bands that you've never heard of. And that's a good thing for me because I like discovering new music. For instance, Frank Carter and the Rattlesnakes. They were pretty cool if you like the Wild Hearts or the Helicopters. Or if you like silly punk music, you might check out the Toy Dolls. It's kind of like Green Day meets Benny Hill. They look really stupid, but they can actually play really well. If you like stuff like Clutch, uh, there's a band called Red Fang that was pretty cool. And of course, for all you prog nerds, there's some Opeth. I know you've already heard of them, but they're on there too. And also, if you've listened to this show before, you know that I love the band Killing Joke. And I was kind of surprised to see that they're still together. And there's an hour-long set of them on YouTube from the Hellfest. And it's not multi-camera, the one I saw, but uh, it is pretty good even at that. And they've been around forever, so, uh, you know, they're looking a little older these days. But you should still check him out, especially if you're a bass player. The bass player has a killer tone. He's obviously bi-amping, and it sounds really good. Now, something else I watched was on Hulu, and it was a docudrama series. And it was the story of the Sex Pistols. It's called Pistol. And maybe I have bad taste in TV, I don't know. Or maybe I just like the Sex Pistols, but I liked it. I personally thought the acting was pretty good, and I found it very entertaining. But the weird thing is, I don't know that I've ever really talked about the Sex Pistols on this podcast before. But I'll never forget the first time that I heard them. I had heard of them, but when I was in college, I had this friend named Stu, and Stu comes walking up to me one day, and he goes, Here, this is the Sex Pistols. And I'm like, What? And he goes, here, listen. And he had this Walkman, and he puts the headphones on my ears. And the thing I'll always remember was just the guitar just crushing my skull.
know a lot of people hated the Sex Pistols, and yeah, I thought Sid Vicious was a real train wreck. But the one thing you've got to admit is that Steve Jones' guitar was ripping, and looking back, a lot of those songs were just catchy as hell. So if you're like me and you like a little punk rock, check out Pistol on Hulu. Find out how all that stuff came together and happened, uh, allegedly. However, if you're a prog nerd and you're just waiting for that docudrama about uh, porcupine tree, uh, well, uh, I'm sorry for playing the Sex Pistols. No, you're not. Okay, so if you're one of these people who hate shows like American Idol and The Voice, I may have an alternative for you. It's on YouTube and it's called No Cover. And it's actually not too bad. All the bands had to play their original songs, hence the name No Cover. And they play a song live and then they're judged by a panel that included uh, Alice Cooper, Lizzie Hale from Hailstorm, and Gavin Rossdale from Bush. And for the most part, I liked the judges and the critiques they gave. But the one problem I had with them was that uh, they kind of tended to go overboard on some of the people. Like, there was this one black chick from Houston that had a metal band. And she was good, but by the end of the competition, they were just like, You're the greatest singer of all time. You should just go solo and kick your band to the curb. And there was another band that sounded like The Killers or The Strokes or something like that, and I just thought they sucked. But, of course, the judges thought they should be signed immediately. So, what do I know? Well, I'll tell you what I know. I know that I like bands that are doing something kind of fresh. And there was a band on this show that was called The Native Howl. And they described their sound as thrash grass. It was a cross between rock, metal, and bluegrass. Kind of like if James Hetfield played acoustic guitar and Kirk Hammett played banjo. And, you know, they were fun to watch, uh, they were very talented, and I loved them.
So that's the native howl, and we'll see what happens with them. But for now, it's time for me to move on to a new segment that I like to call Monty's Random Thoughts. And the first random thought I'm having is, uh, what's up with Chick-fil-A? You know that fast food place that serves chicken sandwiches? Yeah, uh, what the hell is the big deal with that place? I've eaten there a couple of times, and it's basically just chicken sandwiches and chicken nuggets. And it's okay, but it's nothing that I'm going to lose my mind over. But the reason why I bring this up is that uh, there's one located on the corner right by where I live. And every time I drive by there, it doesn't matter if it's 11 in the morning or 11 o'clock at night. There is a line of cars about two blocks down the street. And I always want to just stick my head out the window and yell, Hey, what are you doing? It's just a mediocre chicken sandwich. But every day, there they are, sitting there like they're waiting for tickets to Hamilton. Or maybe somebody's handing out free pizza or something. I don't know, but I don't get it. My girlfriend makes better chicken sandwiches, so I'll just eat at home. And speaking of home, Alex and I live in an apartment. And when I moved in, Alex had two dogs. And she still has two dogs, which leads me to my next random thought, which is... Why do people have dogs? You don't love dogs? Now, don't get me wrong. I love dogs. I just have never found a good reason to want to live with one. Are you nuts? Now, I have had pets in the past, and I think you all know how I feel about cats. I don't like them. But they are easier to take care of than dogs, especially if you live in an apartment. If you're in a house with a backyard, you just open the back door and let them out. But if you are in an apartment, you've got to walk them at least three times a day, morning, noon, and night. And for them, going for a walk becomes the most important thing in their life. And it doesn't matter what time I wake up in the morning. The second I open that bedroom door, they are charging through there like a stampede. It's like a scene from that movie, A Christmas Story. You know, at the end where the dogs break in and just trash the whole place. Well, that's the way it is with Alex's dogs. The big one's like, oh, this is great. Come on, come on. We got to go for a walk. This is great. And the little one's a Jack Russell, and he's just snorting and flapping his ears and sneezing. And I don't really know what that's about. He just does that every time he enters a room for some reason. But I just look at him and say, you know, why don't you guys just chill out because I got to get some cereal. Shame on you. You're going to hell. But I understand, uh, you know, they're just dogs. They don't know any better. And honestly, uh, they don't really have a lot to look forward to. It's not like they have tickets to Motley Crue or they're waiting in line at Chick-fil-A. Our big dog basically just sleeps under a chair for eight hours in between walks. However, the Jack Russell, uh, he just stares at me all day. In fact, I've asked him, uh, what are you going to do today? And he just looks at me and says, uh, I'm going to stare at you all day. What? And of course, the other thing that dogs like is to eat. And it doesn't matter if you just fed them. They want to have whatever you're having. And I made the mistake of throwing them a couple of scraps one time. And from that day on and for the rest of my life, I will never know what it's like to eat lunch or dinner without having a dog sitting there staring at me through the entire meal. What a tragedy. The next random thought I'm having is about talk shows and podcasts. 
Obviously, I do my own podcast, but occasionally I'm asked to be on other people's shows. And recently, a guy named Patrick Garlock, I believe that's the way you say it, asked me to be on his podcast, Freaks of the Vine. And Patrick's a really nice guy. He knew his stuff. We talked about Galactic Cowboys and art and music and uh, even sports. And it was a fun conversation. So check that out. It's on YouTube. It's called Freaks of the Vine. And I think it's absolutely wonderful. Now, a podcast that I listen to myself every now and then is the Eddie Trunk Show. And, of course, we all know who Eddie Trunk is because he used to do that metal show. And in case you didn't know this, when it comes to heavy metal and rock and roll, Eddie Trunk is the most knowledgeable person on that subject to ever walk the face of the earth. And in case by some chance you didn't know that, he will tell you that himself. I did not know that. At any rate, unlike me, he's got a huge audience and he interviews all the big names in rock and roll. And if you have a question about any rock star or a band, he can answer it. It doesn't matter what it is. Go ahead and ask him because he knows the answer. It's mind-blowing. I mean, there's a slight chance you might be able to stump the trunk, but I doubt it. It's extremely rare. But anyway, I've been listening to him for years and I've heard him talk about Kiss and Motley Crue and Ace Frehley and Dawkins and Gene Simmons and Paul Stanley. And I've heard him answer questions like, whatever happened to Bang Tango? What are they doing? I'd love to know. But the band I've never heard him talk about was Galactic Cowboys. Are you shitting me? Yeah, I know it's hard to believe, but I had never heard him mention us. Until the other day. Alex and I were sitting around watching YouTube, and she runs onto this video called Eddie Trunk Talks About Galactic Cowboys. And so I listened to it, and I thought, you know, I'm going to share this with my listeners of the Rockcast. And I'll make comments along the way. Bands who should have been huge. Have you ever heard of Galactic Cowboys? A band out of Houston. They were signed to Geffen and released a couple of albums in the early 90s. A self-titled debut and their sophomore effort, Space In Your Face. A few more releases followed on Metal Blade before they disbanded around 2000. I absolutely loved their unique mix of Beatlesque vocal harmonies and thrashing riffs with interesting lyrics to boot. If you're familiar with them, I'd love to hear your take. Thanks, Dave in St. Louis. Dave, I am absolutely familiar with Galactic Cowboys, and here's why. They were affiliated with King's X back in the day. You mentioned correctly that they were indeed from Houston. Okay, let me just jump in here real quickly and say, you know, I've known the guys in King's X for over 40 years. I've met them in college. They're good friends of mine. But we released our first album over 30 years ago, and 30 years later, I've never heard an interview or a discussion about Galactic Cowboys without it turning into a discussion about King's X. So good job, Eddie, for continuing that tradition. Now go ahead and tell us how you discovered King's X. So you may or may not know that I had a hand in the initial signing of King's X, because I was the vice president of Megaforce Records, their label, when they were signed in 87. So I absolutely uh, was affiliated with and tied into the earliest days of King's X. And when King's X were signed, they were 
they were a band, and and this is something that's discussed a lot. Kings X were a band that everyone felt were going to be huge. They really people are baffled to this day to learn that Kings X have never even had a gold record. But there was a buzz about Kings X, despite the fact they never even sold records. But there was a buzz about them. Okay, I'm sorry to interrupt again. I thought this guy's question was about Galactic Cowboys, not Kings X. My mistake. Go ahead, Eddie. And people started to trace their lineage and their history a little bit. And the guy who managed Kings X back then, a guy named Sam Taylor, I believe Galactic Cowboys were also being repped by him. So... The music industry is very copycat, always has been, always will be. So if one producer gets hot, if a manager gets hot, if somebody's known for having a big band, people immediately start sniffing around that same hive to see if there's another cool band that they may have an interest in, in working with. And in this instance, it was Galactic Cowboys because King's X, had, even though they weren't selling records, they were very loved, and people thought they were going to be big. And Galactic Cowboys came out of the King's X camp and ended up getting their own record deal and, and doing their own thing and unfortunately became far less successful than even King's X. But I'm aware of the band. I had seen them live back in the day. I certainly know about them because of the connection to King's X when they first started. Okay, so there you go. Eddie Trunk talking about Galactic Cowboys in such glowing terms that I'm almost blushing right now. Was it good? No. But seriously, uh, Eddie did get a couple of things right. Uh, we did have the same manager at the time as King's X, uh, and it was Sam Taylor. And Sam did help us a lot in the early stages. He put us on tour opening for King's X before we were even signed. And Megaforce Records, who Eddie did work for at the time, in fact, I believe we met him, they were very interested in signing us. But instead, we signed with Geffen by a guy named Gary Gersh, who also signed a band named Nirvana. Now, did Gersh sign us because of King's X or Sam Taylor? I don't know. You'd have to ask him. I just know he made a lot of albums and a lot of music over the years that, to me, didn't sound anything like King's X. Yes, we were friends, we had the same manager for a while, we were both from Houston, and we toured together some. And I guess because of all that, we're going to get compared to them for the rest of our lives. But if you ever listen to us, which I don't really think it sounds like Eddie ever did, I think you'll hear we had our own thing going on. take this pen and jam it in my ear right now okay continuing on with my random thoughts as most of you know when it comes to politics i'm pretty conservative and for years i listened to the rush limbaugh show and i was very sad when he passed away and i know there's a lot of you sick liberals out there who were actually happy when he died 
But I was not happy, and I didn't think there was any way anybody would ever be able to replace him on that show. But they got a couple of new guys named Buck Sexton and uh, Clay Travis, and they actually do a great job. And for anybody that used to listen to the Rush Limbaugh show back in the day, you'll know that he used the Pretender song, Ohio, as his theme song. Well, Clay and Buck decided they wanted their own theme music, and they went with My Own Worst Enemy by Lit. You know the song. Yeah, great song. And I'm going to go out on a limb right now and say that that is one of the greatest pop songs ever written. And I'll tell you why. If you break that song down, it is absolutely perfect. The opening riff is a hook. The verses and the melody are a hook. The lyrics are memorable and genius. And then it goes into that killer chorus. And it's just two minutes and 40 seconds of absolute perfection. And every time I've ever heard it, I just go, oh God, I wish I would have written that. But I didn't because I don't drink or get drunk or wake up in somebody's front yard. But that song is just a pop masterpiece. And so when I heard that Lid had a new album that was just released in 2022, I decided I would check it out. And I gotta say, it's pretty good. There's a lot of good stuff on it. There's nothing as good as that song, but Lit does what they do and they do it well. And here's a little bit of a new song called Kicked Off the Plane. Somebody else that has a new album out is Ginger Wildheart. If you know anything about me, you know that he's one of my favorite musicians of all time. I think the guy's a genius and a songwriting machine. So anytime he puts anything out, I gotta hear it. Now the name of the new album is called Love in the Time of Cholera. And there's 18 songs on here. And from what I read, these were songs that were extras from uh, other albums that didn't go on. And so he just put them all on here as a collection. 
And usually when I would hear something like that, I would think, oh yeah, a bunch of leftover crap. But when it's Ginger Wildheart, his leftovers are better than most bands' best songs. And there's just all kinds of music on this thing, uh, everything from uh, rock to metal to weird-ass instrumental to country. But Ginger is a master of melody, and my favorite song on this album is called Ice. Ginger will have these chord changes in his songs that I think are so brilliant. Just subtle little things that just blow my mind. So that was a song that I love, but how about some songs that I hate? I can't wait. The first one is from the 80s, and it's from a guy who made a career out of singing about eyewear. Does anybody remember Corey Hart? Yeah. I think he was from Canada, and he had a song about sunglasses. 
and it was I wear my sunglasses at night so I could, so I could. And MTV would play the video all day long, and oh my god, I hated it. Yeah, that song sucked, but to this day, I have never messed with a guy in sunglasses. You just don't do it, especially if his name is Corey. I'm not gonna mess with Corey Feldman, and I'm sure as hell not gonna mess with Corey Hart. Hell no! You know, the other day, somebody asked me, hey, whatever happened to Corey Hart? And I said, you know, uh, I don't care. You're hateful. Now, another song that I hated that I'm pretty sure that every living human being on earth hated was a song called Friday by a girl named Rebecca Black. And I think she was about 14 when she recorded this. And she made a video with her school friends and put it up on YouTube and it went viral. And the reason it went viral is because the video and mostly the song were so incredibly horrible. 7 a.m. waking up in the morning, gotta be fresh, gotta go downstairs, gotta have my bowl, gotta have cereal, seeing everything, the time is going, ticking on and on, everybody's rushing, gotta get down to the bus stop, gotta catch my bus. And this was back in 2011, but to this date, it's received 161 million views. Oh, oh, oh my God. God. That's right, 161 million views. And recently, I saw where someone had done a poll, and the song was named The Worst Song of All Time. And part of me felt sorry for her, but then there was another part of me that thought, you know, I would have settled for 161,000 views for anything I'd ever done. Which brings up an interesting hypothetical question. If you could have a music career where you became enormously popular and made millions of dollars, but for the rest of your life and even after you were dead, you would be known as a band or artist who sucked. Would you do it? Would you take that deal? In other words, you could be like Poison and be rich, or you could be in a band who got a lot of respect and critical acclaim, but you were dirt poor. And so I thought about it, and I talked it over with Alex, and I said, you know, uh, it's pretty easy. I would take the cash, no doubt about it. If I had to play talk dirty to me, but I never had to worry about money ever again, sign me up. Sell out. So yeah, I hated Friday by Rebecca Black, and I never want to hear that song again. 
unless somebody did a metal version of it. And well, lo and behold, somebody did. This is from a guy named Leo on YouTube. He does crazy metal covers of all kinds of different songs. He plays all the instruments and sings, and the guy is quite the musician. Yeah, I like this version much better. And if you want to see and hear more of this guy's stuff, he's got a channel on uh, YouTube called Frog Leap Studios. Yesterday was Thursday, Thursday. Today it is Friday, Friday. We, we, we so excited. We're so excited. We're gonna have a ball today. Tomorrow is Saturday and Sunday come after work. I don't want this weekend to work. It's Friday, Friday. Gotta get down on Friday. Everybody's looking forward to the weekend.
Before I go, I wanted to say, please go to my website, monicalvinart.com and check it out. I used to just have my paintings on there, but now I've got prints of my paintings and refrigerator magnets and all kinds of cool stuff and it's just out of control. And you know, some of these podcasts, they'll have like Patreon or ask for donations or have some kind of club you can join. With me, I just say, hey, uh, if you wanna help me out, buy a print. Most of them are 30 to $35 and that includes free US shipping. And they look so good, especially when you frame them. Uh, Matt and KC got a couple of them framed up and they look amazing, especially when you see them in person. And I'm putting new ones up almost every week and sometimes every day. And recently I've added new ones of Freddie Mercury, Elton John, Pete Townsend. I've got a new dime bag up there. And some of you guys have been so cool with the multiple orders. Like Jeff Nelson in Kansas, he's ordered like 12 prints so far and he's just covering his entire house. And trust me, he's got the coolest house on the block. But seriously, thanks to everybody for their orders and uh, for supporting my art. I really appreciate it. And finally, I wanted to say my thoughts and prayers go out to Ty Tabor from King's X. I hear he's got some health issues and I know we all hope he'll be okay. I haven't talked to Ty in years. Uh, he was always great to hang out with on the road when we toured with him. And we used to go out to eat together when we were in Houston and uh, I miss those times. And like I said, thoughts and prayers go out to him. But I'm gonna wrap things up now with a cover tune by Ginger Wildheart. He did a cover of the song Substitute by The Who. And he so nailed this song that it's one of the best jobs of a cover tune I've ever heard. And so go check this out and then you should go buy his new album. But before you do that, go to my website and uh, buy one of my prints or paintings or refrigerator magnets. You will do this now! But that's gonna do it for me for now. But until next time when I will bring you more fun and mayhem, this has been Monty saying take care, don't let anyone tell you what to like, unless it's me. And rock on! <laughs>